Hello and welcome back to Flash Knockdown, Series 3, Episode Number 9. It's a rare non-fight week for us, but we have a packed schedule coming up between now and Christmas. And here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. Joe Cordina was watching on last weekend as Lee Wood beat Josh Warrington. We speak to the Welsh Wizard to get his thoughts and talk his Monaco ring return. Jordan Gill's back in the big time. The thrill takes on Michael Conlon on December 2nd in Belfast, but first... He takes on our weekly quiz. Barry Jones makes his flash knockdown debut to reveal his dream dinner party lineup. Billy Joe Saunders talks his much anticipated comeback and has another brilliant memory from the Mike Costello memory bank all coming up on today's show. So don't go anywhere. Well, welcome to the show. For the second time appearing on Flash Knockdown, it's Billy Joe Saunders. Bill, great to have you on. Firstly, it was um, a real pleasure to see you back ringside again, part of the zone broadcast team for the Wood Warrington fight. Just tell me about that from your perspective. How good was it for you to get back in the swing of things, get back in the mix and getting the Billy Joe Saunders face back out there? Yeah, I think it was a real great show to come back on, to be fair. I mean, I haven't been to an atmosphere like that for a while and it just gives you back the memories you know you had the lead sides on one side and you had the Nottingham fans on the other side it was a real real good fight as well entertaining as we all watched and seen did a bit of commentary on there which was nice and really enjoyed myself at the boxing a good night a good night to boxing it was a, it was some main event Bill as you say your gym mate Lee Wood showing us all again just one of the most entertaining fighters in the UK because through six rounds Bill it wasn't looking amazing for him but he just pulled that shot out of nowhere didn't he what was your verdict on the finish yeah, I think, look, things like that's fighters like Lee, you know, they're never out the fight to the final bell. You know, we see they both probably had their game plans. One game plan wasn't working. The other one was working. And then you've got someone like Lee Wood deep inside of him that, you know, he's had it tough all his career. Pull something out the bag like that with an astonishing knockout. You know, that's, that's the fight within him. That's the power he carries. And he's uh, probably you know, the biggest puncher pound for pound in British boxing at the moment. What would you like to see him uh, do next, Billy? Because obviously he's got he's got options, the Michael Conlon rematch, the rematch with Josh, he's got the Lara trilogy. What, what do you see as his friend as being the, the best option for him, do you think, right now? Well, look, I, I would say the one with the most money because he showed us all the thrilling night. He's dying to box at, you know, the stadium. I would love to see the Warrington fight again because it was so entertaining and just imagine the atmosphere and electricity going through that football stadium with Lee Wood versus Josh Warrington there in the rematch. And, you know, G- Josh Warrington was well up on the scorecards, got caught with a, you know, unbelievable shot um, and he couldn't really recover. I think the referee did a great job, Michael Alexander. You know, he didn't know where he was. I know he, he, he was complaining, but that's the fire spirit in him. And I just think that, you know, he was... He, if he would have got up and he didn't stagger and he was a little bit off his legs, you could have went, well, you could have given him the minute, but, you know, he was out of it. That shot would have took absolutely anyone out of the game. You touched on it earlier, Bill, but just being ringside, especially in an atmosphere like that, how itchy are your knuckles to get back in there? Because you said it's bringing, bringing feelings back. As, as the fighting man you are, you must just be, be itching to get back in the ring now, I assume. Yeah, of course. You know, look... I've had two, just over two years out the ring now, and I'm, I'm thinking, do you know what? I just wish I had a magic wand to go back and fight tonight. Um, especially when you're at them events, and uh, you know, especially that event, it really, really got me up and going. Obviously, the hard work still got to be done. Uh, I've got to get in fighting shape because you know there's a difference between walking around fitness and fighting fit. You now they're completely two completely different levels. So yeah, you know, it's, I just can't wait to get back on the light. And in terms of your character, Bill, um, before we talk about who you want to face and, and what the aims are. I, you know, I said this to you ringside when we were in Sheffield that British boxing misses Billy Joe Saunders. It needs Billy Joe Saunders. In terms of not just the talent you are, but the character you are as well, why do you believe we, we should all look forward to your return for a number of reasons? At the minute, my time's not done. So I just want to come back and give what I've got and uh, entertain, entertain the boxing public. In terms of the mindset, Bill, I, I saw you on the the podcast with Simon Jordan, which was a brilliant listen. But in terms of you now, you seem, even in the space of a few years, that things have changed for you. You seem more mature. You've said you feel more grown up. Is that since the the fight with Canelo? What what do you put this sort of change in in character that you've had over the last couple of years? I think that it's, I I think it's just that we all grow up cracking out the game now, you know, 
28 years. Obviously, it's nice to get the money and it's nice to pay well, but, you know, where am I going to find these big nights? That adrenaline buzz, because, look, I obviously I do, when I'm away from boxing, I've done, you know, plenty of projects, boxing and other uh, property and other bits of uh, dealing, but it can't, nothing gives me the same buzz as getting in the ring for a living and entertaining the crowd. There is no other buzz like that in the world, and I don't care what, you know, someone can say is a trillion quid. You know, yeah, you're absolute. You'll never get that adrenaline buzz what you get when you're actually walking in that ring. For the first fight back then, Bill, do you expect that to be a fight that is just announcing you back into boxing? Do you want a big name straight away? What's important to you in that sense? You think? Well, uh, I mean, look, I mean, I looked at a couple around at the moment. We looked at one. He's 22 fights, 22 knockouts. You know, they're they're. I wanna I wanna go in there with someone because of the experience I got from the Canelo fight, I now think well, hold up. In that fight I did set up my deck. Yes, he caught me a brilliant shot and it was uh, you know, he ended the fight with it. But I sort of looked well he wasn't as bad as what everyone was saying, so I'm not there. And in terms of Bill, uh, when when you look at the guys, you know, I think I think your your return's going to be at what, around one seven five. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. So, so people have talked about you you running it back with with Johnny Ryder. There's still that Eubank fight there. Do you believe you know is the quest to to get into a world title position, or is it these big nights, these big names that you want? <laughs> I'll be honest. It's look, I've been you know from Southern area, Commonwealth, British, you know, European, international, two time world champion. It's nice to be world champion, but I also think the belt sometimes holds the big fight up. I would love to fight and to be a three-week world champion. But however, I'm not planning on sticking around like heavy. So unless the right opportunity in the world fight rises, then obviously, you know, I'm a you know, prize and I would take it. But I just want to get back under the spotlight and see them big crowds. But I would fight at once at 175 for the right fight, you know, if your world title was on the line. Just to say, I'll probably vacate it straight after to say us three weights that I've won. Well, Bill, we can't wait to see this ring return. Like I say, British boxing needs a little bit of Billy Joe Saunders. One final question for you. It does seem like your old mate, Chris Eubank, it seems like a deal has been agreed for him to fight Conor Bairn, a fight that was due to happen, of course, last year. Is your prediction, even since the Liam Smith fight, Still the same? Do, do you still favour a Conor Ben fight? How do you break uh, Conor Ben win? Sorry, how do you break the fight down for us? I fa- I fancy Conor Ben comes at an high pace and probably does the same job Liam Smith did in the first fight, maybe even sooner. Do you still want to fight Chris Eubank, Bill? Is there still anything in there that you? I know, obviously after I, I, the drama with the Canelo I, fight and the bets and everything, all of that, are you still interested? Yeah, look, there, there's no there's no doubt about it. Me and him definitely won't be inviting each other, you know, around for a Christmas party, but. <laughs> You know, we're not, I, I don't like him. I just simply don't like him, end of story, and he don't like me. So the blood's there always of, you know, I've got the win over him. If he wanted a chance to, you know, come back somehow and try to get that win. But I'm concentrating on me first, getting myself right and getting, you know, everything I need in order first before I even think about anybody like him, you know, because, you know, he's just a waste of time at the moment. I leave, like I said before, I said on an interview the other day, I let Conor Ben take him and when he's finished I'll take the leftovers well Bill that could be the date that's been penciled for that is December 23rd is that too soon or could we see you on that show 100% that's the show I'm looking forward to going on brilliant so that could be the ring return December 23rd Billy that, Joe Saunders when it's December 23rd that's the one I'd like well happy days you heard it here first Billy Joe Saunders what a legend thanks so much for coming on the show mate and uh, we look forward to seeing you back in the ring very soon best of luck in training camp God bless you mate thank you top man cheers Bill Well, Scott, we can't start today by not talking about Sheffield last weekend. Lee Wood proving that, as he said in the ring, I think he said, what did he say? I've got chocolate brownies, baby. <laughs> something like that. He said something about the power in his hands in the ring. I can't quite remember, but just proving you can never, ever write this man off. And also believe what he says as well. He does back up a lot of his own talk as well, uh, to his credit. Incredible, really. Watching from ringside, it looked, I think the first couple of rounds, I think, or the first round was close. But then Josh really took control of the fight. And I was sat ringside with, with Tony Bellew and it seemed like from, from the conversations we were having that it was only a matter of time before Josh stopped Lee. That's what it seemed like. It seemed like all the zap had gone out of Lee's punches. It seems like he wasn't comfortable in there. And to, t- to turn the fight like that on a, on a sixpence and stop Josh, I know there was a bit of controversy with the stoppage and whether that was the right decision, which we can talk about. But 
incredible. Well, Lee just has that lights out power. We've seen it before, and it obviously carries through uh, late, even when he's not feeling 100%. Let's be honest, at the, at the weigh-in on Friday, he did look a bit off for obvious reasons, and I think he's pretty much moved up in weight since, isn't he? So it's obviously an issue going in, and it was interesting to hear Ben Davison say at the post-fight press conference, look, he's not been comfortable with the way he's been making the weight for the last fight or two. I think that's quite telling. Incredible. I'm still a little bit shocked now, to be fair. We had a bit of a moment backstage. Me and my colleague Josh were watching on uh, due to internet connectivity. Oh, so you weren't in the arena? No, no, it was backstage just because the Wi-Fi basically was shit out, out the front. We had a uh, Thierry Henry and Jamie Carragher moment. Did you? As soon as Hand happened. on the leg? It was more the arm, but just sort of looked at each other. It was... Uh, Going to have to ask people who were also in the room <laughs> what was actually going on. I think it was just us. <laughs> why, were the, why, why were the lights off? <laughs> but yeah, Incredible. special. I, I always say that we're grateful to work in this sport, but it was one of them sitting ringside for that one was unbelievable. You know what? Fair play to Lee. I actually texted him the day after. I was like, mate, you're actually giving us, as, as fans of the sport, some, so many... Some crackers. Nights to remember down the line. Like even, even the one here was special when he beat... And you, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Conlon and, and the two Lara fights and now this it's yeah. it's some run uh, and I'm very intrigued to see what happens next do you think the stoppage was correct yes why I don't like the way Josh staggered first yeah. and foremost it wasn't very unsteady yeah look I can totally see it from his point of view it was the end of the round right so in theory a minute to recover and then you go again but the fight of safety is obviously paramount and I just I think it was the stagger that done me just to show that he wasn't 100%. Well, I'm just trying to think from recent memory. We've seen it happen where the ref does give them the minute. Kid Galahad, Kiko Martinez. Oh, gosh. On yeah. the clap up. Probably a heavier knockdown, or certainly much the same. Barry came out in the next round. And, and that was got, literally the next punch. Knocked, and got knocked out. Within so seconds, yeah. If that had happened, that would have been a big talking point. And the ref would have got criticised for that. Exactly. So I feel like that was a. It was nice to have, you know, albeit, okay, Josh was disappointed, but no real controversy. Just a great fight between two great fighters, two great blokes. And we were talking about boxing for the right reasons, I felt, last weekend. Do you agree? Yeah. And look, if anything, it tees up a potential rematch. So in, in a weird sort of way, and I heard this on another podcast, we kind of like controversy, right? It kind of sells. So sort of going against what you were saying there, it kind of just adds a little I bit. I know what you mean. Sprinkling a little bit for, for down the line. But for me, I thought it was nice just to be able to talk about uh, positively about a great night of boxing and, and two yeah and like you say two good guys going at it as well it was a, a really gripping fight the whole way through I was you know it was edge of the seat stuff it was I think I'd love to see that again and I think when when you look at the city ground options for Leewood I guess you know talking about moving up to super featherweight Joe Cordina is going to be on the show a little bit later on so we can ask him about about that but I guess that is an option uh, Michael Conlon if Michael Conlon beats Jordan Gill is that an option but then you know surely none of them sell as well as Warrington would in terms of tickets. Yeah, obviously Josh has got a large travelling contingent. I, I actually think the Conlon fight could be a shout. You know, if he was to beat Jordan Gill, that just plays into the narrative a little bit more. You know, I've beat your mate type thing. Yeah, I agree. Obviously from the first fight, between now and May, a lot could happen with the world titles. One May three up or, or whatnot. I'm sure Cordina would probably rather fight in Cardiff, like you say, we can ask him a little bit later. Yeah, so much to look forward to in terms of looking at what is next for Lee Wood. Go on. What about the Lara trilogy? Has that got any interest? With Lee? That's super feather. One apiece. Lara's obviously struggled with the weight before. Maybe. Maybe down the line. Do you know what? That's one that hasn't really... No. That hasn't really been spoken about. Maybe that's one for down the line. The Vegas fight. Because I think Lee mentioned Vegas, didn't he? Yeah. In, his, in his post-fight. I think, I think I'd rather see the Warrington fight. But I think Josh would probably want to fight Lara again at one point as well in his True. career. Well, before you so rudely interrupted Sorry, me. Sorry, I did put my hand that up. Was actually a good, no, that was a good shout. That was a good <laughs> shout. Um, we're moving into steady crop of uh, a pleasurely into the year, Scott. Not much going on, eh? Lots of shows. Racking up the air miles. Lots racking of up the hotel nights. Yeah, I need to start getting the points you know myself. What? We should collect the hotel room. Actually, probably we got some discount, right? You know, not discount, but like group booking, so you can't collect the hotel points. But I've that, got none. That, no, nor do I, but that, that would be... I spent eight weeks in the Hilton during COVID. I'm <laughs> ju- bound to do a free weekend somewhere, no? How many nights in a hotel do you reckon you spent this year? Uh, it's got to be pushing three figures. I normally do probably five a fight week, mm. which is mad. People, <laughs> when you think about it, that is a lot. Uh, it's probably over three figures. Yeah. Wow. That's for another yeah. pod. That's for another time. <laughs> That's for another time. That's for HR as well. Um, we're moving into Jack Cattrall fight week. Just before we do talk about that, I was up in uh, Manchester with Chantel Cameron over the last couple of days filming her half of the documentary that's coming soon. Got some great stuff with her. One thing I noticed about Chantel is I think she she's openly admitted self-belief has always been a, a, an issue for her. She hasn't always believed in herself as much as the others 
like Jamie Moore and Nigel Travis have believed in her. She is a different animal at the minute. Mentally, she is in such a good place. She says it makes her so dangerous and she's really got the bit between her teeth to go in there and, and cause some damage on November 25th. And I think it just it just leads into such an exciting fight, such an exciting proposition of, of you know, a Chantel Cameron who she admitted to me she didn't actually believe because she was so worried about the judges. She didn't believe she was going to win the first fight, which is mental. You know what? I was watching back yesterday, the decision. I think it was a razor thin, majority decision, a draw, 96, 94, twice. Yeah. And I think it was probably, probably the last round it was on, on a swing. So you can see where she's coming from. Because to be honest with you, and look, I, you know, I'm a big Katie Taylor fan, I think it was wider than that. Yeah. Talking about the self-belief, I can see it, you know, going there and, and doing it already, knowing you can do it and you have done it, must just take her confidence levels through the roof to know that win this proper cracked it let's be honest yeah, well, no, you, you, that's exactly what she said what you just said she knows now before it was like can, can I? I yeah and now it's like i can mm-hmm. you know kate i think katie's gonna have to really be on it to, to beat chantel on november 25th one thing about katie taylor when you know her back is against the wall we have yep. seen time and time again she can pull it out of the bag as a debate there's always sides to an argument and people say well yeah Katie looked flat she didn't quite look herself but is that because she felt Chantel's physical strength from the first bell Chantel dictated the pace we used to see in Katie control these fights so she- look I think that's why there is appetite for the rematch and we'll see what happens and all in Chantel Cameron is elite let's be honest great she's fighter. very good great she's fighter. very good and I think she's not just a great fighter with this with this mindset she's dangerous uh, very dangerous as well Scott we do uh, have some absolute carnage to talk about I was just going to jump in there I think we're a little teaser we're going to be announcing the Dublin undercard potentially on Friday or Monday so Ooh. some interesting fights in there well I was surprised Kevin Ajarko Troy Williamson wasn't on Dublin but I guess Kevin is a, a Belfast boy but yeah I guess the extra week probably does help with preparation yeah. you know and it's only a week but that probably does go a long way to be fair great fight that that is an absolute tear up I was watching back Williamson and uh, Cheeseman from Gibraltar a couple of days ago I think it was the anniversary that was one of the best fights I've seen live correction that was in Liverpool was it sorry who did oh Cheeseman oh Cheeseman uh, Cheeseman Metcalf I think Gibraltar. I think Troy and Ted was on the Fowler Beefy undercard wasn't yeah it? and I'm thinking of yeah. that's still one of the best fights yes, I've ever seen that's live. what I meant sorry yeah, yeah. But he's, he's always in great fights, Troy. Very physically strong. Can punch a bit as well. I think we saw that the style of Josh Kelly causing him problems. Kevin Ajarko, good boxer. Can punch as well. Likes to get stuck in. I think this will be a, a bit more of a dogfight. Yeah, it's the fight that he's been calling for, right? You know, he's been sort of asking for a step up and he's got one. But that card is the four fights that we've announced on that. McKenna and Crocker is carnage. McComb and Maxwell, who have got a little background with... Um, the same trainer at once upon a time. So there's a lot of narrative throughout that. Definitely big breakthrough opportunity that is for Kevin Ajarko. When I said carnage there at the start, obviously I'm talking about misfits. I'm talking about the zone pay-per-view. I'm talking about the, the small matter of the double header, KSI versus Tommy Fury, Logan Paul versus Dylan Dennis. Now, Scott, you're a little bit older than me. You won't mind me saying that. I'm 26. You are 33. <laughs> I'll take that, mate. Are you? I'm 36 next month. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't look, got 10 years don't look now. a day over 35. <laughs> um, it's good what a haircut can do for you, isn't it? <laughs> but I mean, are you, are you interested? Be honest. No, I'll be honest. Why I, I would not be watching this. I, just, think, just, I think you're lying. Well, firstly, I'll be on a plane, so I won't be. Where are you going? Going out for the Haney press tour. Ooh. Haney Progray, which we can talk it's about. It's interesting, I just never get told about the good gigs. Didn't Sorry, even know that was happening. Uh, I, I don't know if I would watch it anyway, to be fair. It just doesn't float my boat. If it was a professional contest, maybe just for the, I don't know, the prestige of a of a boxing fight. But the fact it is, was it a six rounder? I think the main event six rounds. Yeah, I don't know. Just don't do it for me. Mate. I think I'll watch it. One thing I would say though, to be fair, I saw a little bit of the um, public workout yesterday. I logged on as Matram on YouTube and was trolling in their comment section. <laughs> uh, and as as I logged I on, you, hang on, I thought you weren't interested and you're well, watching the public workout. No, no, no. You strat- are full no, of hang it. on. There's a, there's a strategy here. Right. You, you log onto their YouTube, you get involved in the comments section, you might get a few more subscribers. You talk rubbish. Tactical. Tactical. Rubbish. So you're not interested in the main event, no. six round out, but you're watching the public workout on the Wednesday. Mate, I just said it was tactical. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I logged on and Salt Pappy was in the ring at this stage. And fair play to him. He's he's dropped some uh, timber. timber, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, friend of the podcast. So Oh yeah, we had him on, didn't we? Yeah, I don't know who he's fighting, but fair play. Uh, yeah, he looks great. Well, all the action, of course, for that one. Let's get the plug in, the zone, the pay-per-view. This Saturday night, I think the numbers for that are going to be absolutely astronomical. I believe Mr. Hearn might be making a ringside appearance. He can't, he can't turn that down, can he? 
They should put me up in the tears. Yeah, I think they should, up in the gods. But we announced our, our own shows. We've, we've talked about Belfast, of course. We're also heading back to the northeast, Newcastle, on November the 11th. That's an interesting one. Pat McCormack, I think he wants to move so quickly. What do you know about, about this fight and the challenge that's there for him? Well, I know Pistol Pete Dobson talks a, a good game. His press release uh, quote was arguably one of the most aggressive I've ever seen. It was very direct. What did he say? Shall I bring it up? I'll bring it up word for word. Just give me a minute. Firstly, I'd like to thank Matram for giving me the opportunity to showcase my talent. I was scheduled to fight Ajarko last year when he pulled out of injury, so my, sta- my team has stayed in touch. Pat McCormack was a, was a good amateur, but with all due respect, he's never seen anything close to my level as a pro. If you check my credentials, I've made a career out of showing up and beating these kind of guys I wasn't expected to beat. This won't be any different. I'll break him down and stop him in his backyard. Now, this is, this is where it gets good. I love this. To be honest, I'd stop this Muppet and his brain-dead brother on the same night. I think Eddie Hearn is one of the smartest guys in boxing, but unfortunately, I'm going to show him that he fucked up invested in this liability that is going absolutely nowhere in this sport. But that's gone out. That is the official fight press release quote from Pistol Pete. Oh, my Lord. So he's, he's bringing the fire. Well, things just got a little bit more interesting. <laughs> I mean, Luke McCormack's not going to like that one <laughs> when he sees Pistol Pete. He <laughs> could be on. God bless Pistol Pete could on, be on. on the back of that one. He's a brave man. Maybe a little bit over the, the top, but it's... Uh, that certainly added a bit I of... I shocked feel. you a bit, hasn't it? It has. <laughs> it has. Well, do you know what? I will say... Think Pat's. Uh, everyone's had their their stories of you know the twins, pretty amateurs. But Pat has, it, I must say, he's been a pleasure to work with since he turned over, uh, matured, and I think we'll see a very matured performance from him on November eleventh as well. Well, we're just weeks away from the ring return of the Welsh wizard Joe Cordina, and I think Scott, this might be our first hat trick guest. Wow, really? Three seasons, three appearances? Three seasons. What can well we give I, Joe? Well I am special, am I? So I, I wouldn't mind that, um, a new set of golf clubs. I can see golf clubs in a corner. A new set of golf clubs off Eddie, that'd be... Well, they're Frank Smiths, I think. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I, I'm not, I don't want Frank's uh, the pony anyway. That one's. Well, as I just mentioned, here is our guest today. Joe Cordina. Joe Cordina. Cordina. One more time, Scott. Joe Cordina. Thoughts? Yeah, I, was, I don't know. Maybe you can't read properly. Is that mind games? Nah, I don't give a shit. I think it is. Don't really matter. Ed's gone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was the the voice there mm. of Edward Vasquez, your opponent, of course, in a couple of weeks, Monte Carlo. Before we talk about him, before we talk about the fight, heading back to the Casino de Monte Carlo, we saw you go out there for your little mm. Oscar-worthy performance yeah. for the promo. How was that experience? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was a um, party occasion, and it's, it's a special place. I, bo- I boxed it in 2019. That was, um, that was an experience. And then... When they, when they said uh, Alex messaged me saying oh, we're going to go out to Monte Carlo to film a promo, I was I was half buzzing about it because I thought yeah that's like enjoying the whole experience, the the um, occasion and stuff like that, and sort of having a feel out again um, before I get over there and actually have to do the business. Well, you boxed Enrique Tinoco there. I think that was twenty nineteen, was it? Two thousand nineteen. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? For for those who don't know. It's sort of two finger clapping, very small, yeah. maybe about 200 people in there all sat in suits, very rich people watching. Yeah. How would you describe your experience boxing in there? It wasn't too bad, to me, to be honest. When I was there last time, obviously I, I had my, it, like you said, it's only two, 300 people there. So it's, um, it's quite intimate. But I had my mum, my sister, my father front row, and then my cousins were there uh, front row also. So yeah, I didn't, um, I could hear shouting and whatever, but I got a few more coming over this time. I've actually got over 100 people. I've booked flights and accommodation, but more than half of them ain't going to get a ticket. Well, they'll have to get on down the old Irish bar. Yeah, try and set exactly. It up. So, um, but I've got a, a few tickets that um, people have got hold of. So I know they'll, and some of them are quite ra- rowdy also. So yeah, them two finger claps saying, <laughs> yeah, that won't be happening. Um, <laughs> and I think, yeah. There'll be, there'll be an atmosphere at this one anyway. Well, there's not really anything you haven't seen either, is there? I mean, nah. you've boxed in leisure centres all around the world as an amateur. You've boxed in the Everywhere. bubble behind closed doors here at the Garden. There's, in boxing, I was saying this to someone yesterday. Um, funny enough, he was my mate. He's in jail and I was chatting to him a couple of nights ago. And he, he was on about, because he, he's he's in, in, in jail, he's, he's done all his PT courses, this, that and the other. 
and I was just telling him, telling him about uh, about certain things about training, about nutrition, and what I do, and what he like, what he does on a daily. And I said, oh, I said you're in there. I said go and have a bar of chocolate. He was like, nah, that's for the weekend. And he said, I gotta stay disciplined and all that stuff. So he was asking me certain questions about the boxing. I said, and then we was on about uh, uh, one of the fighters that are from Wales. I'm not gonna say his name, but he basically. I'm trying to guide him, but he, he just won't listen. He's like nodding his head, but he just don't listen. So I'm explaining to him. I say, I said, look, I've done everything that is possibly to do in the sport of boxing, everything. And that's going from amateur to pro. There's nothing more I can do. When you got someone like myself telling someone who's just starting out, I said, you're going to listen. He was like, yeah, of course. I've boxed in leisure centers, empty arenas. I've been on... Pack stadiums, uh, yeah. Pack stadiums. I've done everything. Wembley, yeah, Wembley Stadium. Wembley, Principality. Millennium, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, oh, yeah, I forgot about Wembley. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Bramall Lane. I've, I've, done, I've done everything that is possibly to do in the sport of boxing. And that's going from amateur to pro. Experience-wise, there's not much that you can put in front of me that I, I've, I haven't experienced. Was that Joshua Klitschko? Yeah. Was it? Second fight. Is it Sir Guy Vig? Could be well wrong. Uh, <laughs> Sir Guy Vig, yeah. Mate, yeah. you're on box, right? No, I'm going to look Must now. Be. I'm going to look yeah. now. You, you have done everything. Yeah. Did you win a European title? I'm half on European title. <laughs> oh, I, I, said, I said Vig. Vib. Vib. So yeah. close. Yeah, so far. Um, in terms of the man opposite you, we we heard that from him. We're going to hear a little, a few lines from him now, Scott, I believe. Uh, here's what he had to say on a recent shoot, Edward Vasquez. Hey, Joe, I hope you're getting ready, man, and I hope you're preparing. You know, I hope this is the best camp you've had. I don't want to hear any excuses. When come fight night, here comes the kid, man. I'm 100% ready. Um, I've given my all into training camp, and this is the best camp I've had. So you will see the best kid. See you fight night. Reaction? Well, he should do. It's a big opportunity for him. But yeah, I train every camp. I've I leveled up. I've all my PBs yesterday, my SNC, and I still got three weeks of graft. All my times on my running, hitting PBs. So yeah, every camp I try and elevate. I'm I'm leveling up every single time. I'm still learning on the on a job, but at the same time, I I know I'm, I give a hundred percent. Like people, they all go on about I wear these heart monitors, I track it. I know when I'm working hard. Every time I'm work, every time I'm working, I'm thinking of how am I gonna provide for my kids? How am I gonna feed my kids? How am I gonna? That's all the motivation I need. So yeah, don't worry about don't worry about me. I'll be working hard, and you'll see the best of me. So yeah, I might see the best of him, but I don't think the best of him beats the best of me. When you look at the last two fights, two world champions, on paper, just from credentials, Edward Vasquez is a slightly lesser opposition on, on paper, as I say. How do you view him and how do you make sure you keep the, the focus 100 as well? Listen, he, he, it's a massive opportunity for him. Everything to gain, nothing to lose. So, um, listen, I've watched him. He's, he's a good fighter. He's, he, he's awkward. He's tough. He comes forward. He comes to fight. I ain't got to go and look for him. But, like, going back to... Ogawa, Rakimov, they're two different, two different fighters, completely different. And I've beat them in two completely different ways. So that just shows my vers- versatility in the ring. I can box, I can punch, which no one, not many people thought I could. And I can fight and I can dig down if, I need, if need be. Listen, I don't, I've never took anyone lightly. And that goes from, from journeymen all the way to world titles that I seem the same. They're stopping me from feeding my kids. And as simple as that. Well, that is Joe Cordina versus Edward Vasquez, IBF World Super Featherweight Championship on the line November 4th in Monte Carlo. Joe, we do have some shouts from the fans this week. Lot to talk about, lot going on in the world of boxing at the moment. Uh, Here is producer Scott, who's got some questions for us to open the floor to. Here he is. Yeah, I was just going to say, actually, before we jump into that, I was ringside when uh, Vasquez boxed Raymond Ford in Phoenix, what was that, last February, Mm. and probably got the the wrong end of the the stick there, to be fair. It was a split decision or majority decision went against him. So I think, yeah, I think he's using that almost as fire against Matram, which is quite interesting. So uh, one to to look out for, and I can't wait to get back to Monte Carlo. Absolutely. So a couple of shouts from the fans this week for the best thing to happen in boxing last week. Um, Quite relevant somewhat to you, Joe. Various people saying Lee would beat in Josh Warrington. It was a firefight whilst it lasted. Firstly, two halves of this one. Do you agree with the stoppage? First of all, watching on and then imagine you're Josh Warrington. Um, when I was watching it, I didn't, re- I didn't really hear the bell and I didn't talk. I was just like in, I was just watching the fight. I didn't hear the bell or anything. So when they stopped it, I was like, oh yeah, they stoppage. He didn't t- really turn around. He was a bit gone. But then when I w- he put him over, the bell have gone. Yeah, I think you let him get up. 
Yeah, he didn't turn around, but the, the bell have gone. So he's walking back. He walked back to his corner. He knows where he is. Yeah, I just think, yeah, it was a bit unf- it was a bit unfair. But at the same time, it's a big decision that has to be taken. It's by the ref, obviously. And if he would have stopped it, uh, if he didn't stop any, and he went and got bingo the next round completely, that they should have stopped it. So it's always something. We so said the exact same thing. Remember when um, Kid Gala boxed Kiko? The exact, exact same thing happened there. Exactly. And the so, ref, yeah, so sometimes a minute, and that was a heavy knockdown. Sometimes a minute ain't enough. And then, God forbid, one wrong punch can change everything. So, yeah, I don't know. Listen, he can come again, Josh uh, Ronaldton. He showed, he rolled back the years in his fighting ability. But I don't know whether his punch resistance have gone, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. But he, um, he was definitely winning that fight. Your name was mentioned in the ring after the fight by promoter Eddie Hearn. It seems that these days at featherweight are done. A move up to the super featherweight division looks likely. Your name was mentioned. He looks like he's going to be fighting at Nottingham Forest, the city ground. Break it down for us, Joe. Are you interested? Are you not? Is that a a logical fight for you? Um, Yeah, it it is. The the, the thing is with with that fight, he's going to want to fight in Nottingham Stadium. I'm a champion. Don't get me wrong. I would entertain it. It's not a part of my plan because there's no title on the line. I just want to chase belts and money. Yeah, it's it's a big money fight, but then I got to go to um, to Nottingham. It, this totally depends on what Eddie wants to pay me. If he wants to pay me, I don't mind going there. But as a champion, I want him in my backyard. So it's that's a bit of a standoff. But my my goals are. Uh, to get another belt. Just a quick one before we get our next question from the fans. As a, as a fight, I know you've got incredible self-belief, Joe, in your own ability. How would you see yourself beating Lee Wood and what would happen if you two mixed it up? Well, I'm going off his last fight. If he boxed like he did in his last fight, he wouldn't he wouldn't make it past the sixth round. Put it that way. But listen, you can... I've always said it in his in his career. Since he won a world title, he's levelled up every time and he's, he's found a way to win it. So I rate him. I like Lee Wood's. Um, but going off his last performance, he wouldn't he wouldn't make it past the six. Heating up this one. Next shout, Scott. It's actually from me, Scott Hamilton. Go Joe Corino. Obviously, you're talking about there about adding another belt to your your collection next week in Mexico. We've obviously got the fight between Foster and Hernandez for the WBC. Who do you see winning that one? To be honest, I don't know much about Hernandez. Um, Eddie was telling me out there that he's a big puncher. Yeah, Oshak is is tricky fighter, good fighter. Um, I don't know. I I can't really say. Uh, obviously, you'd have to put your money on Oshak Foster. He's the world champion. But yeah, I don't know too much about Hernandez. I've got a feeling he might cause an upset going into the Lions Den, having the Mexican partisan crowd behind him, small ring. Just, uh, just got a funny feeling. Well, Oshaki like Foster's had a lot to say to yourself, hasn't he, on Twitter? Yeah, we've gone back and forth. But like the, the thing is, like you guys are in boxing, so you, you would have known. But anyone outside of boxing, or like the casual fan, but even people inside of boxing that um, know a lot about a lot about fighting, but they wouldn't even know who he is in, until yeah. they called he called me out or like he was I was having a back and forth with him on online. That's probably why he was doing it. To be fair, of course, yeah. of course. But at the same time, whether we, we were trying to make a fight, I was on to Eddie near enough every day. He's saying he's outpricing himself. This, that, and the other. I don't know what he what he said or whatever. I'm just going off of what Eddie's telling me. Another couple of shouts from the fans, um, just looking further across the board. So Kenny has sent in a message saying, Pat McCormack securing his headline slot in Newcastle. This guy is destined for the very top. Well, Joe, your old uh, Team GB colleague fights Peter Dobson November 11th in Newcastle. Firstly, we know from amateur accolade, Olympic silver medalist, on paper how good Pat McCormack is. From your experience... How talented is he? Because a lot of people are saying yeah. he's just a world champion waiting now. Yeah, he is. Obviously, he's he's got to just take them fights at the right time and keep stepping and stepping and stepping. He's he's a special fighter. I've seen him over the years, and he's just excelled year in year out and fight by fight as a pro. Um, I watched a little bit of that. Is it Dobson? Peter oh, Dobson. Yeah, yeah, Peter Dobson. I watched um a little bit of him the other day when they they announced it. I can see any way that that Dobson even causes him causes him any problems. I reckon he just wipes him clean out of the water. He's, he he punches too hard, he's spiteful, he's too accurate. Um he's got a bit of everything. In terms of well Scott got a fan question, so I'm hijacking one as well. Yeah, go on. I've got a question for you, Joe Cordia. <laughs> We've seen the news in the last twenty four hours or so that it seems a deal's been agreed with your mate Connor Ben yeah. to fight Chris Eubank Jr. It seems there's two potential sites 
Abu Dhabi and Cardiff. Yeah. If that's in Cardiff, would you don't want a piece of that? I would, but it's cancelled next in a couple in a couple of weeks. That's we like six weeks' delayed. notice, yeah. yeah. But like, what about yeah. a little four rounder? Come <laughs> <laughs> on, me and you. I'd pay to see that. <laughs> I'm sure, Joe, you'd be on the commentary for that. So, I think you'd be what's, what's Frank doing on that? that <laughs> yeah, on Frank the Tank. Yeah, Frank bring him out of retirement. Yeah, you'd be two. You'd be two on one then, won't you? Yeah, no, I'm only joking. But in terms <laughs> of one on one, in terms of uh, that fight, where where would you, as a fan, like to see that be held? I'd like to see it in Cardiff. I think it'd do well. Um, it's the only place with a roof. Abu Dhabi or whether it's in the UAE or anywhere around there. It's it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of money to go over there, and then obviously tickets are going to be quite sky high. It's, it's a it's a fight for the fans because obviously their fathers uh, went out here years ago. So that's a fight for the UK fans to be able to. It's, it's got to be affordable because that's. It's got to be open. It, like their their fathers went out here in was it Old Trafford? Yep, in Old Trafford, and I think it was that was the second thirty one. years ago. Yeah, it was uh, two or three days day. ago. Yeah. yeah, because Nigel was in the gym and um, Tony mentioned it. And he was like, "Oh yeah, mate, yeah." And so you know, <laughs> Nigel said, "Oh, Nigel was in the gym training, grafting." And he's like, "Yeah, he just brushed it off." But um, yeah, that's a that's a massive thing, especially for that fight being in the UK. It needs to be. And Cardiff is a great place, great stadium. I believe we've got one more shout, Scott. Yeah, this one's very left field, but I quite like it, so I'll put it in. So Ronnie Hacken has said, I'm going to do the name horribly wrong here, the Shijako brothers causing an upset in the WBC and IBF world minimum weight world titles on the same show was the best thing to happen in boxing last week. That's pretty, that's a great story. Could you make minimum weight? Minimum weight? <laughs> what, what is that? Well, well, what 115. 108, I think. Is it? I think my daughter's about that weight. <laughs> She's eight years of age. What's flyweight? 115 or 112? 112, isn't it? It's a great story, though, to be fair. Two brothers on the on a show being the away fighters winning world titles. Yeah, that's, um, that's, yeah. that's pretty special. Do you watch a lot of boxing as a fan? Yeah. Not not stuff that's happening at the minimum weight division in Japan? Uh, not, not so much, yeah, that. I, I do. I mainly watch a lot of boxing as in not so much this day and age because you don't really, yeah a lot of 50-50 fights it's just like one side especially on a on a lot of cards especially big cards they they have like one-sided fights so I don't really watch but I do watch a lot of old fighters Joe thanks for joining us mate and also minimum weight is 105 105 you, yes, you better get on running mate if you want to fight a minimum weight <laughs> well we're in luck this week because we've not just had Mr. Joe Cordina floating in in person We've also had none other than the thrill, Jordan Gill. Welcome to Matchroom HQ. Welcome to the show. First of all, how are you? Great to see you, mate. After the the head to head, the announcement, all going pretty well on social media. The feedback's been great. Um, how are you, and how does it feel to have a big fight in the diary? Yeah, I'm buzzing. Absolutely buzzing to have a big fight in the diary. Uh, a fight we've been waiting for. You know, just been waiting and waiting, and waiting for a fight to come along. This opportunity's presented itself, and I'm going to grab it with both hands. So yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing about it. It was good to get in the ring and do a face-off. And like you said, the reaction's been great on social media. Everyone's buzzing for the fight, and, and so am I. I was in the ring with you on the zone, doing your little interview with, with Eddie in the ring. When I stepped out for the face-to-face, I could see his lips moving, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. What did he say to you, Jordan, that head-to-head? He said, he's going to smoke me. And I said, no problem. He said, don't worry, I won't hurt you too, but too bad. And I said, it's nice thank you very much. It's very, very <laughs> kind of you. So uh, that was it. Do you welcome that energy? I mean, we we, we know we're going to get that with Michael Connolly. He brought that against your mate Lee Wood as well. But do you, do you welcome that? Does it get your back up a little bit? Uh, it doesn't get my back up. Uh, I don't really care about what he says. I'm just, I've got a job to do. I know what I'm doing. I know how to go about the fight. And is what it is. He can say whatever he wants. It's not going to help him in the ring. So I, I quite like a little bit of need with something. You know, it's a new challenge. It's something that I've not really had in the past. So... It's going to be very good for me to go into Belfast, feel that animosity um, from him, from the crowd. Um, I'm, I'm just really happy to, to be involved. We know how good friends you are with, with Leeward, and we'll talk about him in just a second. Mm-hmm. But for you, I, I guess, I know you've been doing some bits with, with Ben Davison and, and training alongside your friend Lee. I guess in terms of pinning out routes to success against Michael Collin, how useful is it going to be having your friend Leeward in your ear as well? Yeah, I mean, Lee's given me some tips. I was in uh, in the gym helping Lee prepare for Warrington. I've uh, been training with my dad, training, you know, travelling for sparring here and there, and um, everything's going well. But 
Lee obviously is a different style of fighter to me. He has different attributes to I have, but there's still things from that fight and things from what Leeds can tell me that I can exploit of, of Michael's weaknesses. So that's the, the plan. I know his weaknesses, I know his strengths, I know his tendencies, and we're going to uh, make him pay. Things didn't go your way against Kiko Martinez, and that was a, a difficult night for you. But for Mick, coming off, I think, two of his last three have been quite heavy knockout defeats. How much do you think he'll be feeling the pressure headed into this one? Well, I think the pressure is definitely on him. Um, he's the hometown fighter. He's the favourite in the fight. He's the one that's expected to win. He's the one coming off two knockouts. He's the one that's changed trainer. He's the one that's gone up weight. You know, I've got nothing to lose in this fight. And that's the attitude I'm going in with. I'm just going to go in, do what I do. Um, I, I'm confident in my boxing ability. I think I can outbox Mick. And um, I'm looking forward to the fight. How much do you think also with, with the extra weight, this one up at Super Feather, I know making featherweight was becoming increasingly difficult for you. How much do you think that will help you refine your best form as well? Oh, massively. Um, I can al- already feel it. I think looking back, I probably should have moved up maybe four or five fights ago, if not more. Um, it, is, it gets increasingly you know, tough. I, I think I'll be a best at super feather. Um, I'll have more power, more resilience, more strength and uh, more gas in the tank. When you were watching the ringside, be honest, through the first six rounds, what were you thinking? Well, the first two I was all right, and then after that it <laughs> went downhill a bit, didn't it? But I thought, do you know what? Before the fight, my mum made him some Mars bar flapjack. And they are and amazing, by the way. I've had them before. I've had them. Hang on, where was this? Yeah, out, yeah, you're not in the uh, circle of trust yet, Jamie. <laughs> um, I'll get you some Mars bar flapjack, don't worry, mate. I'll do a delivery by the office. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I trusted in the Mars bar flapjack, and I knew he'd prevail, and he did. He took to the seventh, which you know I told him off for. He got the job done, and that's the main thing. I'd love to see the rematch. It was a great fight. What's he said to you after? Did you have a, a, a little nice conversation as pals uh, in reflection of what was a, a great night in Sheffield? Yeah, I think um, I spoke to him the next day. He just said, oh, I've been chilling out. I had, had a good day with the family, which, you know, after a long camp, a hard year, three fights, three total fights in, in one year, well-deserved. Is he 35 now? He's probably got one or two big nights left, and hopefully he can ri- retire on top. I'm sure he will, and... Um, yeah, he just said, work hard, and uh, if you need anything, I'm there. So basically, the reason we can confirm, the reason Lee would beat Josh Warrenson is because of the Mars Flapjacks. Yeah, um, I told that to Ben and Lee Wiley as well, and uh, it was my mum's convinced by it. Yeah, so the video yeah. analysis, the coaching, the camp, nothing nah, to do yeah, with it. It's no. useless, really, isn't it? Absolutely Your mum useless. should get like a little logo on, uh, on yeah, people's on shorts. shorts moving forward, yeah. 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 <laughs> MF, <laughs> Mars Flapjack. Um, just final one, Jordan, before we move in. To the business part of this conversation, which is the quiz. I believe you were on the quiz in Series 1 as well. Oh From memory, I think you did quite well. In terms of your trainer, you, you flirted around the question there. You can't tell us yet who's going to be in the corner on December 2nd? Yeah, I'm not sure actually. At the moment. I know my dad will definitely be there, but we'll see. Um, knocking about, doing a bit of training here, there and everywhere. Uh, working in, in different gyms, doing different bits of sparring. Because obviously Mick, he, he's a very versatile fighter. He can fight orthodox southpaw. So I'm doing the travelling. I'm, I'm, I'm working well with my dad. We got a gym in, in March where we're a foundations base as well so no, it's, it's, it's good and kids can come in and watch me train and stuff and it's you know it's the biggest fight of my life so it's nice to be at home have that have my home comforts and you know I'm 29 now so I'll be 30 next year and, and, and you know life's going quick so I'm just trying to enjoy camp as much as possible and you know before when you're wishing your weeks away I'm not I'm embracing it now and I'm just happy in myself and I think that's when you're going to see the best of me and, and it's, it's not been that way for, for a long time now. Why is it the biggest fight of your life? Well, I win this fight, I'm, I'm in the money. I'm, I'm going to, you know, be knocking on the door for a world title shot. Mix, you know, a celebrated um, Northern Irish fighter who was world champion, European champion, uh, whatever else he won. He won the Olympic medal. Um, you know, he's fought for two world titles. He's, he, we're at a crossroads, really. This is a crossroads fight and he wants to beat me to get his... Security shot at a world title, and, and I do the same. Let the mess, best man win. Michael Conlon versus Jordan Gill, part of a great, great night atop a stack card in Belfast, live on the zone, December 2nd. Jordan, this is the 12 round Eliminator Challenge quiz coming up very soon. Going to hand over to producer Scott, who's going to take over from now and give you a little bit of a rundown on what the rules are. Here he is. Thanks, uh, Jamie, and welcome, Jordan, to the 12 round Eliminator Challenge. I think you might need a little bit of good luck here. So, um, Best of luck, Jamie. Top of the leaderboard, still Bradley Skeet, I think, on eight points. And Sonny Edwards, joint. Yes, good shout. So Sonny's level. Going to run through some um, 
ground rules for yourself and also for our listeners if anyone hasn't heard this quiz before and is probably thinking what on earth is this so it's essentially a bit like a who am i you're trying to identify one of your previous opponents there's 12 clues or 12 rounds as we call them at stake and with each passing round which you can skip at any point you lose a point so you start off with 12 points you want to go to the next question and you get it right then on the second one you get 11 points and it sort of goes down you do get a bonus lifeline which may be good may be bad and you can call upon that at any stage you want and jamie here will um, dish out the bonus lifeline okay so mr gill if you are ready we will commence with the 12 round eliminator challenge good to go go. okay round number one we have zero mutual opponents so you've never boxed the same guy okay next question yes question number two according to box rec i am one inch taller than you Next one. As an amateur, I reached the semi-finals of the ABAs at 57 kg. I haven't got the year to hand, I'm afraid. Don't forget, you do have a bonus lifeline that you can use at any stage. I'm going to use it now. Wow, okay. Well, straight in. Straight in for the bonus lifeline. Yeah. Usually I'm called upon later in this part of the quiz, but are you sure you want to use it? Yeah. I know Jordan wants to get top spot here. That's where he's going. Let me bring in my assistant. Thank you. I've got it got the lifeline if only people could see what we're doing here and they <laughs> realize that my acting is brilliant okay jordan gill here is your lifeline <laughs> just remember sometimes these are good sometimes they are shocking <laughs> let's see what yours is i share a birthday oh come off it, with astronaut neil armstrong <laughs> well how many oh. points am i on now then this would be for 10 and i mean okay. do you guess or do you go you mean to say you, you mean to say you don't know it on the back of their life i'm gonna guess Wow, no, you're not, you're not. you still got another one to be to be top spot. I don't care. Wow, hang on, hang on, hang on. I want I want to put some space between me and number two. Some space, Neil yeah. Armstrong. Was that a space? <laughs> yeah, that's it was. Yeah, that's a space gag. Right. Wow. So Jordan Gill is going to go for it. You only get one guess. You uh-huh. get it wrong. You get Neil Poir. Jordan, come on, mate. All right. Dan Naylor. It's incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. Not Dan Naylor. That's no. what you get, mate, for being too. Jason Cumnham. No, mate. Listen, that's wrong as well. This is what happens. Oh, I see. I'm going. Well, I already <laughs> said. If you enter the three man, I like at the bottom. I like being. The, I like the bold attempt to be I top do. spot. Yeah, I just. Yeah, yeah. you got to have a go, and yeah, you got to be in it to win it. So. I thought on the back of the, that lifeline, you might have just known it. What from Neil? <laughs> I thought that might have been the greatest moment in podcast history. Oh, have a day off, mate. Let's go through the um, oh, remaining questions to see if okay. you would have got it. Yeah. Next one was I have four children. Right. If you follow him on social media, <laughs> when the fight was announced, you said about me, he's young, hungry. He's looking to cause an upset. He's better than his record suggests. He'll throw a few bombs. Next one. Alongside my boxing career, I was a window cleaner. Are you getting this or not? It's you tough. You've done it now. Hang on a sec. You give me a minute. Give me a minute. Sorry, I'm ra- racing through. Um, I reckon you might know after the next one, actually. All right, go on. Give me the next one. Like you, I support a football club that begins with the letter P. Portsmouth. No. R.B. Hemsley. No, but I like the logic. <laughs> Uh, according to to Google, my hometown is 299 miles from Chatteris. Okay. That's a great clue. Because um, you can start to add up wait, how far away it is. Who's the football team with a P? Portsmouth, Port Pl- Vale, Plymouth. 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 As a pro. Mm-hmm. Who do you support your Peterborough? Yeah. I'm a posh. My, my brother narrowly missed out on the southern area featherweight title recently. <laughs> so it was probably a good thing you went I out. Got At least you've gone out with your dignity. Last three. A year before we boxed, Lewis Ritson was the first man to stop me. I finished my career with a record of 10.77-4. So he's obviously on the road. Christian Lake? Close. Last one. We boxed on the Brook Bizier undercard. Aaron Flynn? No. Good job oh, you uh, give so a go. It was, it was Chris Hadaway. Oh, Chris Hadaway. <laughs> I forgot about him. <laughs> well, Jordan, I'm delighted to say you scored uh, zero points. Excellent. It is, but I like the effort, though. I, I think yeah. that was good. That was a good move. No, I went in balls deep, yeah. didn't I, with, it, with the guest. We've got a G-Wagon here, and that's on the here's what you could have won. <laughs> oh, you're joking <laughs> okay, me. Next time. June 2016, Louisville, Kentucky, and the funeral of Muhammad Ali. Whenever anyone asks me what sporting event I'd love to have been at that I didn't get to cover, I don't even have to pause. It's the rumble in the jungle of Muhammad Ali beating George Foreman in Zaire in 1974. So it was a special coincidence that 
I happened to be the boxing correspondent at the BBC when Ali died seven years ago and for all the sadness attached Ali's family were determined to make it a celebration of his life and that's exactly how it turned out. The day before the funeral we did a recce along some of the route the funeral cortege was to take to work out where best to broadcast from and we weren't live for the whole of the procession because it was a 19 mile route so we took the advice of local organisers as to where the biggest crowds might congregate. And we also had a base, in effect a makeshift studio, which was across town next to the Ali Centre, a museum which had been built around a decade earlier. And that was where all of the world's major broadcasting networks had set up as well. Our presenter was Adrian Childs, who'd been fronting ITV's football coverage for a few years, and he was interviewing friends and family and celebrities who were passing by on their way to the memorial service. And that area around there turned into a shrine as people were laying wreaths and messages and all sorts of tributes to the great man day after day and out on the road I plotted up on a corner between 9th Street and Muhammad Ali Boulevard and I got there in the early hours of June the 10th it was already sweltering summer heat and at that stage there were just a few people around and we wondered if we'd chosen the wrong location but as the hours passed the numbers grew to hundreds and then thousands and these were people from all sorts of backgrounds. And when the hearse finally came into view late in the morning, they broke out into an impromptu rendition of Ali, Ali. And it was so poignant that we were hearing that cheer for one last time. And when I was describing the scene, I went down to the edge of the grass verge where I was standing. And I interviewed a woman who'd just thrown her bouquet of flowers onto the hearse and her emotion got to me and I cracked up on air for the first and only time in my career. We were talking about the feeling that often strikes at a funeral when you're suddenly struck by the reality that your loved one isn't coming back. And for me, that moment brought back memories of my dad's funeral a few years earlier and how he used to watch Ali fights in cinemas in South East London and come home to tell me the results before I went to school. And I remember on the day Lennox Lewis was waving from one of the cars behind the hearse. He and Mike Tyson were among the pallbearers and the procession then moved on to pause outside the Ali family home in the west end of the town and then on to Cave Hill Cemetery where... Among others, Colonel Sanders, the founder of the KFC chicken business, is also buried. The memorial service started just after three in the afternoon. It was in a huge basketball arena close to the Ali Centre and 18,000 tickets were given away free and people were queuing overnight during the week to get hold of them. And A friend of mine, Chris Oker, who's a former Commonwealth cruiserweight champion and who boxed for my old amateur club, had travelled over from London and was disappointed at missing out on a ticket, but an American he'd been chatting to in the queue had managed to get tickets for his family and so gave one of them to Chris, which was typical of the whole mood of the week. And there were some stirring speeches in the arena. The US president at the time was Barack Obama and he was at the graduation of one of his daughters that day. So one of his aides read a message from him saying that Ali had inspired a skinny kid with a funny last name to have the audacity to think he could be anything, even the president of the United States. The actor and comedian Billy Crystal said Ali was like Shakespeare or Mozart or Picasso who comes along only once in a thousand years. And listening to all this, it really rammed home the wonder of the whole Muhammad Ali story. And I got to thinking back to earlier that day when I arrived on that street corner just after dawn. And I got talking to a young woman who was there with three boys of around primary school age. And I asked her about the mood in Louisville. And she said, I just wish Louisville could be like this every day. And outside a church across the road was a sign asking for prayers for all those killed as a result of gun violence in the city. And all morning these three young boys were playing and wrestling and joshing and doing what young boys of their age do. And it struck me that if I told you that one of them would grow up and in 20 years time would shake up the world, in 30 years time would own the most famous face on the planet, you'd say I was crazy. But that happened all those years ago to a young kid from Louisville just like them.
Well, someone we've talked about getting on the pod a few times, never quite managed it. I'm absolutely delighted to say and welcome to the show today, Barry Jones on board for today's segment of Food Fight. Barry, first of all, busy weekend uh, last week. It, it was incredible in Sheffield. How are you? Have you have you recovered, mate? Oh, mate. Um, I, I think some of the biggest fights, i got to be honest, I mean, I think Pruitt's been some of the biggest and most exciting fights of the last 15 odd years, and that was right up there. It was just an absolute beautiful thing to watch. It really was. How do you uh, analyse Lee Woods? I guess we can call it a bit of a comeback KO, because the verdict ringside, he was, what, through six rounds, maybe 5-1 down. Uh, what was going through your mind when, when the carnage unfolded, Barry? I just felt like it was a matter of time before Warrington stopped Wood. That's what it looked like. I, I know Warrington's not a, a devastating puncher, but every time he hit Wood on the temple, or Wood would argue on the back of the head, which there's plenty of those, of course, but every time he hit him, he, he looked a bit wobbly. I remember when Wood beat Conlon, and I remember there's never start a fight with anyone from Nottingham. So I, I sort of learned that from, from obviously, from Carl Froch, and, and Wood is from the same vein, where they're just so innately tough. He's almost at his best when he's at his most vulnerable. I thought, like in the first two rounds, I thought, and, and the second round was a good, decent little round for him. But Warrington changed tact, and he allowed Wood to come on to him, and he blocked some counters. And that just threw Wood right out of the window, his game plan and his rhythm and everything. And, and Warrington was boxing brilliant. But Wood's a big puncher. I think we always exaggerate how much of a bigger puncher he is, but he is a big puncher. But what he really is, a devastating finisher. So it's almost, that's almost a skill you can't teach, that finishing ability that, that he has. Well, it was interesting, Barry, because I heard you talking about this um, on the Boxing News segment you do as well on a Monday, that I think the, the quality of the finish was overlooked because Josh was a moving target on the way down and he was still able yeah. to hit him so cleanly, which was really impressive, wasn't it? It really was. I think, I think that's, I, again, I've got to say, you know, his power is, is, is brilliant. But it's his finishing ability that stands in the path because he he makes he doesn't just throw see like Warrington for instance when he, if he hits you with a good shot he'll throw six and seven and they're all they're not all hard and all they're all fast they're not all hard shots he just throw and thrust and keep you under pressure but Wood makes sure he puts everything to every shot and he zones in on the target and to be calm under that pressure whether it's pressure against your opponent fighting or being calm. With the excitement, I've got this guy, you know, the adrenaline rush, you, know, you hit him with a good shot and he's, he's all over the place and you've got him where you want him. And to still be steely-eyed and zoned in, pick your shots, make sure you're, you're pushing off the canvas, get all the purchase into it, every punch that you throw without without losing any speed and, and losing the momentum that you have in that round. Again, I, I could never do that. It's so difficult to do and, and he can do it. And he does it like instinctively and that's his gift. Well, he seemingly has options now as well, Barry. I mean, when we look at, I mean, as far as these days at featherweight, I think they're done. But, you know, Michael Conlon rematch, Josh Warrington rematch, a, a trilogy with Mauricio Lara, your countryman, Joe Caldina, his name's been thrown in the mix. Who would you like to see him fight next, you think? Well, I think Conlon and Warrington follow him. And I think probably financially and for, and for you know, I think everyone involved, they're bigger fights because they're, they're a bigger fan base for everyone involved. I would say that. But I'd like to, you know, for the Welshman, I'd like to see Joe Cordini in a, in a big fight, a big domestic fight, and that would be a good fight for him. Again, like, you know, Cordini, you'd have to say, would, has the ability to totally outbox and, and confuse Wood. And he has this, and he certainly has the power to stop people as well. So he has the power to maybe stop Wood also. But you also know with Wood that he'll give, that he'll give Joe Cordini the fight of his life. Certainly exciting times ahead for Lee Wood. Barry, always great to hear what you have to say. I do, however, move on to the business part of this conversation, I gave you a little brief on Instagram. This is called Food Fight, and we've had some great guests on so far. Basically, the idea is it's a dream dinner party lineup. The guests can be alive or dead. Why you would want them there, what impact they'd had on you, perhaps in your life, what conversations you'd like to have with them. Does that make sense on the face of it, if I give you the rules? Yeah, sure, that's fine, yeah. Right, here we go. Firstly, you're the chef. You're hosting this dinner party. Is Barry Jones much of a cook or chef? If so, what are you cooking for your four guests? I'm not a cook. I do all the washing up. Actually, my, nothing to do with cooking. I do all the ironing and the washing in my house. There you go. I was that for a modern man. But, but I don't cook. I'm awful. But if I could cook and I could cook for anyone, it would be beef stroganoff. And the reason why, because when I had my professional view back in 1992, all TVs were black and white and there was no such thing as the internet. That was the first meal I went out to in Cardiff. I, I'd be shrugging off beef after shrugging. the fight. <laughs> yeah, which is a which is a, which is a lovely fruit, a lovely meal, by the way. It is. So yeah, I'd have beef shrugging off, 
half and half, half rice, half chips. <laughs> so that that would be that's always. And if this is a, this is a meal for for boxing people, or, or, or certainly based on me, then that would be the meal. That's that that's the meal that always resonated with me because that was the, my first my debut, my professional debut back in October '92. We went out after in Cardiff, and we all had beef stroganoff. Well, here, meal. Well, here we go, Barry. Beef stroganoff is on the menu for your four guests, but th- there is some certain criteria you must meet for the guests you can invite. So the first one is one dream guest from the world of boxing, past or present, and why? Who do you think you'd have? Who likes beef stroganoff? <laughs> yeah, nobody then. Um, I, I, my first thought was Johnny Tapia because he was just crazy and what a night that would be being just the wrong Tim. But I'd have to say, for selfish reasons, Sugar Ray Leonard. He was everything in my life when I grew up. I wanted to be Sugar Ray Leonard. I, I'd done more wrong in my bedroom shadow boxing, pretending to be him, than anyone else, than being myself. There you go. And then, yeah, he, he did the one. I've, I've had a meal with him before, actually, luckily, at the dinner. But then, yeah, to invite Sugar Ray around my house and just be around what I feel is the greatest fighter ever would be would be an honour. When you met him, Barry, I mean, everyone always says don't meet your heroes. Was he everything and better that you dreamed he would be when you met him? No, it was, it was it, no, he wasn't that great. I, he was he was doing a tour around, around the UK, so by the time he got to Cardiff, he was flat, unfortunately. But he was nice. No, he was, he was professional. He was no, he was professional. He was, you know, he wasn't. He, he asked for he asked for my photograph, and I, and I signed some photos for him and stuff, and which he was he was happy for. He thought that was Barry McGuigan, which is a bit embarrassing for me. <laughs> no, it, no, it, it, it was, I was joking. It was it was fantastic just to be around him, shake his hand, and say, "No, you're the reason why I, I did it. I didn't do as good as you. You're the reason why I fell in love with the sport." And no, I don't think you can ever get tired of hearing that, even if you're him. Well, hopefully the beef strong enough might cheer him up a little bit, Barry. All right. <laughs> uh, guest number two, right? One actor or actress from the film or TV world and why? What, what's your favourite film, Barry? Do you have a particular one that sticks out? Yeah, Goodfellas is my favourite film. Um, always has been and always will be. Um, but um, it would be Rosie Perez. Okay, why's that? Because she, she's a massive boxing fan. Like a massive boxing fan. I mean, I mean she's like, like more than... She probably knows more about boxing than some of us pundits and commentators. So I would just love to have her around, you know, especially that. And also that New York fast talking, don't take any bullshit. You know, that, that attitude as well. You know, you know, sat down when you discuss, you could have a proper discussion with her, debate about about different styles and stuff like that. I would, I would love to pick her brain. So having Rosie Perez would be, would be, well, yeah, it would be an honour actually. So, so far we've got Rosie Perez, Sugar Ray Leonard and Barry Jones okay, enjoying yeah. the beef stroganoff. Right, guest number three, one musician, singer, from the world of music and why? What what was your fighter playlist like, Baz, back in the day? Oh no, my, my music is quite eclectic. So I like I I just I can listen to well I just can't listen to heavy metal and reggae really. But everything else I, I can listen to. It's a difficult one this too. But I tell you, I, I tell you what, what I've been listening to lately, and this is going to sound strange from a man of my age, cool. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot no, no, me neither, actually, because it's all off the cuff. But, I got, I got, I my dog. All, I mean, I got a great thing. I walk, I walk for hours, and so I listen to everything. So I've been listening to Lil Wayne recently, and and his story's quite good as well. You know, and I just think he would be, um, it would be him, or Fifty Cent would be rap. But I'm not, a, I'm not like hugely into rap, so I do enjoy it. But it would be one of those two, I think. So, I, but I say Lil Wayne because small people are more fun. What would your you go, what would your um what would your rap name be? Lil Barry. Big B. <laughs> Big B. So it'd be ironic, wouldn't it? There's Big B. Where? There he is on there. Yeah, uh, I know that. What would my rap name be? Yeah, yourself. <laughs> Barry, you are amazing. Right, final final guest. This one is a bit more serious, I guess, in in a nice sort of way. Um, We've had people who want family members there who are no longer with us, or or friends who they'd love to catch up with. This one is, um, it could be a, a history, historical figure from any walk of life, or it can be a family member. Someone to make up this compliment of Sugar Ray Leonard, Rosie Perez, and Lil Wayne enjoying a beef stroganoff with Barry Jones. Who's the final guest, Baz? Um, I'd love to be like, really clever and say like Napoleon or something like that. Another short guy, by the way. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a theme here. Rosie Perez isn't, isn't very tall either, and Sugar Ray Leonard's only 5 foot 10. But, um, <laughs> but, um, It'd be, a, it'd be a dinner, a dinner under the table. That's what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was. Um, Hi, Chase. It would be my grandfather. It'd be my grand. My grandfather died last year. He was, he was my hero. He was my everything. I loved him more than any person on this planet, and he was the nicest man I knew. 
so to have him there would be one last time would be something that I you know that would just be unbelievable. And also, he's so lovely. He would sit there and he'd be and he'd be nodding and shaking hands with his pleasure to meet you. Then he dragged me over to the corner and say, "I Barry, 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 who the fuck are these? Are? <laughs> he would never clue anyone was because he would he would say the whole night being polite. So he wouldn't want to be rude, but then he would just wouldn't have a clue anybody was except for Ray Leonard, possibly, and then for that. But it would be my grandfather. I'd have him there. It would be a mad mix of people. I understand that, but yeah, to have him there, I'd check everything else out if it was an option to have him there or not have him there. Put it that way. Great. Stuff. And that would be that would be, that would be my last one. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a serious dinner party. I think the only risk at this dinner party is the stroganoff. To be honest with you, especially with you, the with you at the helm. Yeah. The, the worst, the, the worst thing of the, of the dinner party was probably me. Really, <laughs> I, yeah. Maybe I just maybe I just cook the shot and half, and then when they all get food poisoning, I do a runner out the back door. Yeah. Well, man. Big B, that's what I'm going to call you from now on on the Design Broadcast. <laughs> uh, Barry Jones, always an absolute pleasure to ca- uh, catch up. We'll see you next week in Liverpool, my friend. But thanks so much for your time today. Anytime, James. Thanks, Some man. Well, thanks as always for listening to Flash Knockdown, and thanks to our guests, Joe Cordina, Barry Jones, Billy Joe Saunders. Jordan Gill, and of course, the legendary Mike Costello and the legendary producer Scott. Wow, that is some compliment. Thank you. And what, what a great conversation to be involved That'll in. That'll go in my uh, headstone <laughs> when, I, when I pass. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Matchroom Boxing Podcast across all your preferred pod platforms. We'll be back very soon. And if you're saying you're not remotely interested in all the action on the zone this weekend, I think you're telling Porkies. Porkies. <laughs>